Good morning. Welcome to Bethany Lutheran in Warren, Oregon. We're continuing our journey through the book of John. Today, I'm preaching on John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of my granddaughters loved unicorns. Hence, I learned a lot about unicorns. Did you know that unicorn legends have been around for thousands of years in many different cultures? The unicorn may have a straight horn, a curved horn, even three horns, a beard, or a lion's tail. The Chinese legend gave the unicorn more of a reptile appearance, including covering the body with multicolored scales. Each legend grew more and more elaborate as the people tried to convince themselves that unicorns were real. If you did not know, there is a whale called the narwhal. It has one long twisted tooth that grows off the end of its nose like a spear. When people in times past found these teeth lying on the shoreline, they convinced themselves that they had found a unicorn horn, even though they had seen the narwhals in the ocean sporting those horn shapes. They were that desperate to believe their legend rather than believe the truth. I thought about the unicorn when I read this week's gospel lesson. The Jews who were there gathered around Jesus saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. They had the truth, but refused to accept it because it did not agree with their contrived reality. The religious leaders had created their own elaborate set of rules to be obeyed and rituals to be performed in order to earn one's way into heaven. And they built a lucrative industry around their contrived reality. No way would they now accept that all one had to do was believe in the Son of God sent for their salvation. 
In addition, they had already determined that Jesus of Nazareth must not be the Messiah. If Jesus had answered, yes, I am the Messiah, I don't think they would have believed him. You see, they really did not want an answer that was different from the one they had already accepted. How often are we open to answers that may be different than what we want to hear? There's a saying, don't confuse me with the Bible, my faith is made up. In other words, don't confuse the issue with the Bible. Sadly, that sounds like some churches today. Then Jesus enters the picture. He has given the people around him numerous indications of his identity. He has performed miracles. He has become the word made flesh. And people repeatedly question his identity. We should know this was normal for this time. Folks who taught or prophesied were often asked to give proof of the power behind their gift. But these questions go beyond that. They are not only questioning Jesus' identity, but also whether his power can be proven to be from God. Jesus responds with, You do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There are two actions here on the part of the sheep. The sheep hear his voice and they recognize it and they follow him. The challenge for us is recognizing Jesus' voice. We have not been taught very well how to listen and how to recognize the voice of Jesus. We have not been taught very well how to have a relationship with Jesus in which we feel secure, protected, and personally known. So how do we hear the voice of Jesus? Jesus made every attempt to guarantee that we would hear his voice. He came in person, joined us in the sheepfold, so to speak, in order that there would be eyewitnesses and hearers to testify to his message for us. He commanded his followers to continue speaking his message on his behalf. He commanded his followers to record his words for the sake of all generations to come. When we read the word of God faithfully, he causes it to come alive in our hearts. Even today, Jesus commands his followers to be his voice to their children and family members and neighbors and to the ends of the earth. Now, how do we follow Jesus? Well, first, we can follow because he leads. The normal way to shepherd a flock is to drive them from behind the flock. However, Jesus tells us that his sheep follow him. That means he leads his flock. He goes before the flock to intercept any danger that might meet them. We must eye him as our leader and follow the instructions of his word and the directions of his spirit. We follow Jesus when we submit to his guidance with willing obedience to all his commands. I used to have a beagle. She was a very good dog. I did not make her eat really cheap generic food. She got the better tasting little bites food. 
We kept up on her immunizations and vet checkups. She slept on our bed and napped on the couch. We fenced in the yard so she could run around and to protect her from other dogs. I took her on a long walk every other day. We gave her doggy treats and I let her ride shotgun when I drove around town. Yet if I took her off the leash, she ran away as fast as she could. Didn't she love me? Didn't she know I loved her? Didn't I provide loving care and lavish attention on her? Why would she run away from me? There are times in my life when I run the same way my dog did, but I'm running from God. I know that God loves me, that God provides for me, that God protects me from myself. I can hear him calling my name. I recognize his voice, and yet I bolt off alone heading for disaster. Do you ever do that? Do you ever know what you should do and don't? God is calling your name. He knows you. You are part of his flock. You know his voice. It is all about relationship. Some of us believe that if we go to church and write a check, we are in the fold. It is simply not true. It's about the relationship. The relationship is about love. God's love for us and our love for him. You cannot save yourself because we cannot confess enough we cannot repent enough. There's not enough water to save us. We are saved by the grace of God. Now in response to that grace, in response to the love that knows no limits, we do confess, we do repent, we are baptized. We commit ourselves to Christ and to his church, all in response to the love we have received. Jesus then said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. In Jesus' day, real sheep were in constant danger of being snatched away by thieves and wild animals. So the assurance that the sheep, that's us, will not be snatched away is powerful. The Father who gives us to Jesus is greater than any other power. It also implies that there are snatchers. We face many internal and external threats to our relationship with God. We may screw it up. Others may harm us. Accidents and disease happen, but God is more powerful than these. God may not make all suffering go away, but we know for certain that nothing will snatch us out of the caring, restoring hand of God. It is clear that a God who saves us, who loves us so deeply as to take all of our sorrows upon himself, will surely know how to lead and guide us in the best way. It is this intimacy with us that makes Jesus' statement that he and his Abba are one even more meaningful. The gospel for today ends with Jesus saying, the Father and I are one. The Greek word used here indicates that Jesus is saying that he and God are united in the work that they do. 
This same word is used in the New Testament about a husband and wife becoming one flesh. In this oneness, there remains a separateness, two distinct people, as well as the unique unity and knowledge we share with each other that is not part of our relationships with any other person. The shepherd has a depth of intimacy with his sheep. Along with the Father, he created us. He knows our wants and needs from the inside and thus can supply them. Salvation is rooted in the word of God which proclaims, you have been chosen by God. You are part of Jesus' flock. You belong to Jesus. You are a sheep of God. You can choose to believe or not believe these words. You can choose to follow up on what God has done for you or not. You follow Jesus here today. Will you choose to follow him during the week as well? Never fear the shepherd. He will never lead you astray. Amen.